The first fundamental of business is attention. Attention is getting the eyeballs of a lot of people at one time or over time so that that way people have an idea of what your product or service even is. Call it brand awareness, you know, whatever. But like attention is I can't just get in front of 10 people. I have to get in front of 10,000 people. I have to get in front of 10 million people. Once you have attention down, then there's attraction. All of those people are not going to be attracted to your message. All of those people aren't going to be attracted to your brand and who you are. And so you don't know if people are attracted if they're not there. And so that's why attention has to come before attraction. Yo, yo, here with my boy, MJ. What's good, brother? What's good? How are you? I am. I'm. I'm just pumped now. It's, it's a great day, <laughs> not only because I get to hang out with you, but uh, the listeners, uh, my mom and my aunt, um, they get to hear. <laughs> they, they get the two listeners. They get to hear um, greatness, man. Like from from a good friend and someone that has taught me uh, just a ton of, about business. And uh, excited to learn um, how folks learn a little bit. Um, how to how to level up, you know, themselves through investing, and 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 I'd love to talk a little bit about investing in yourself, which I know you do a ton, yeah. and then just some of the investment stuff that you've been working on over the last few years. But for folks don't that don't know you, can you talk a little bit about how you MJ got your your start and 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 kind of to where you're at right now, speaking at colleges, financial literacy speaker and expert. Yeah, love to hear that story and love to hear. Uh, by the way, I back up. I googled. I was googling and um, I saw a proposal on YouTube. Old video, you and Amanda. So so yeah, your family, your business. Love to learn. Uh, you know how folks learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, for sure. The quick story behind it is growing up. I didn't grow up with much. I tell people all the time mm -hmm. that some kids grow up on like General Mill cereal. I grew up on Malto Meal, where you get twice the amount of cereal for half the price in a big old bag, guaranteed great taste, you know, live in a trailer. Yeah, I think it all tastes the same, right? You know, you have some kids these days who are drinking those honest, organic, you know, juices that they get in Chick-fil-A value meals. And we had Hugs Fruit Barrels and Kool-Aid jugs and Capri Suns, you know, and Sunny Delight, which... I found out later it wasn't orange juice. You know, like I just grew up a, a regular um, kind of lower class guy. I tell people all the time that I didn't have good parents. I had great parents, parents who mm. loved me, kissed me on my cheek, told me they were proud of me, raised me in the faith uh, to love Jesus. They just didn't have any money. And so mm. uh, what happened was when I got to college, I knew that I always wanted to give my kids that, the good things, but I wanted to, you know, maybe give them some of the things that I never had. And I wanted to learn about money. I spoke to a friend one time and he was able to get me on at a mutual fund company. And I became one of the youngest mutual fund brokers in the country at the age of 21 years old, which means I would help people buy and sell in the stock market. I was attracted to it because growing up, the way that I grew up, I found that people said, if you want to make money, become a doctor, become a lawyer, you know, make, you know, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars a year. So this mentor of mine was making 30 grand a month legally. And I was like, man, I got to figure out a way to get into it. And he just taught me the value of entrepreneurship, working for yourself. Um, and he only had like a high school GED. Here I was getting a bachelor's degree in engineering um, in order to make $60,000 a year. And uh, here he was, you know, a few years down the line, but like his income potential uh, just was uncapped. And so what happened was I became a mutual fund broker. I was helping 
out individuals, you know, with their budgeting, with credit, with investing in the stock market, all of that. And what happened was people would inevitably tell me, MJ, why is it that I left high school and I know that A squared plus B squared equals C squared, which is the hypotenuse of a triangle? Why do I know that the rhombus does this, but the parallelogram does that and the trapezoid does that? But I don't know anything about, you know, taxes, about budgeting, about insurance, about any of the things that actually matter. And so now I help first generation wealth builders make, manage and multiply their money. And I do that in a series of ways, especially when it comes to helping high school and college students. Had a buddy of mine who saw some of the things that I was doing for adults and said, hey, our college has some grant money to serve some first generation low income students. And we need to offer them some financial literacy resources. Saw the stuff you're doing online. We'd love to see what that looked like. And what was really cool about that was he offered me a price or a quote for what I would give to his students. And this was multiple times over what I was, you know, able to charge individuals because I wasn't charging the students, obviously, like I was charging the college and university. And it was in that moment that things shifted for me to where I realized, wow, I could literally 10x my price, but keep the same thing that I'm doing just by changing the customer who I'm selling to. Uh, at, mm. at the end of the day, like a bottle of Dasani, Quick Trip or Racetrack or 7-Eleven, maybe a dollar. But if you buy that same bottle at SoFi Stadium, at Cowboy Stadium, now it's seven, right? Not that the bottle changed or the content changed, but the clientele changed. And that um, all goes to your bottom line because it still doesn't cost you any more or cost Coca-Cola any more to manufacture it. And so that's a little bit about my story. Now, you know, I have a lovely wife, been married almost 10 years, two beautiful kids, six and four years old. Um, she's an author, influencer, like coach, speaker, preacher. She's way more impressive than me. Um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, we have a lot of fun doing what we do, man. Yeah, that's awesome. And I definitely want to link up um, her conference that's coming up uh, as well. So that'll be in the show notes. I want to unpack that. I want, I want to talk about leverage because that's what we're talking about, you know, creating something. And then there's so much leverage that you can create by being an entrepreneur. But before that, you know, you talked about this mentor, you, you are rigorous about investing in yourself, um, uh, with personal development, coaching, you were in Harmozy's mastermind, like just some, some, some cool stuff that you've, you've done that first mentor that you found at a young age. I think a lot of young folks, when I was, when I was, you know, young 20 something, 18, 19, a lot of my friends thought older people weren't cool. Like, you know, like we yeah. knew everything. And, but I was just naive and not uh, enough to like go ask for help and find yeah. mentors for you. Can you talk about like how you approach this mentor or for anybody listening, how do you find a mentor and what do you look for? Yeah, most definitely. I think that first off, you have to make the relationship symbiotic. What does that mean? There has to be a win-win. So this guy owned an insurance agency. I wanted mentorship from him. Therefore, I worked for his insurance agency, commission only, and anything that I sold, he got a piece of. Therefore, he was incentivized to help make me as successful as possible because the more successful I was, literally the more successful he was. The more money I made, the more money he made. If I didn't make any money, he didn't make any money. And so the big idea there is 
Um, how can you create aligned incentives? Many times people are looking for a mentor, but they're asking a lot for the mentor without being able to create much in return. What's really funny is like, uh, speaking of Hormozy, like he um, was, someone came to him once and was like, hey, you know, Alex, I would, you know, love to work for you for free. And he said, yeah, well, you're still overpriced because, you know, you still don't offer me the value. Like there's still so much I'm going to be giving to you that you can't give to me. And honestly, I'm good right now with the team and employees that I have. Right. So I think that as it relates to mentorship, there is one element of it to where it's like, hey, would love for you to be my mentor. It would require nothing of you. You don't have to block out time from your calendar. You don't have to take me out to coffee. You don't have to take me out to lunch. Like, I do not want any extra of your time. But what I would ask, because these are the things that I want to do, and I know that you have experience doing them, um, if you happen to be going into a meeting, I would love to also attend the meeting. I'll sit in the back. I'll shut up. I'll take notes. People, You won't even know that I'm here. Uh, but I would just love to be in the room and learn by proxy that way. Um, or, hey, I know that you have experience with these things. I would love to have 20 minutes uh, with you. I'm going to ask you these four questions, and then I'm going to take any advice you give me, apply it, and get out of your way, and I'll give you an update if you'd be willing to listen. Those are the ways that you approach a mm. mentor, you know, um, symbiosis, uh, no way they can lose, you know, like creating opportunities like that is what's going to give you the greatest chance of landing the mentor that you're looking to connect with and having a very clear picture of how they can serve what you're looking to do will be essential as well. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, a lot of people are like, well, those people are busy. And what I found is is the right mentor. There are a lot of people that have had an experience. When I was in my young 20s, I had mentors that helped me. And so it it, it urges me, it, it, it makes me want to pay it forward. Yeah. And so there are a lot of really good mentors out there that actually are looking, they're actively looking to create some legacy a little bit by by sharing their ideas with with other people. Mm-hmm. And so as 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 you started to learn and 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 grow your your you know you learn this, you're creating leverage the right audience. H- how did you get into the online game? Uh you know because you talked about doing insurance. How did you start this course? Why did you start this course? Um yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about why an online course. Yeah, most definitely. I have uh one specific individual to credit with that, uh, who we both know fondly, Jamal Miller. Um <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, you did you is he gonna be on on the podcast? Yes. Perfect. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. So um And and that was because of you. I I I you introduced me him and uh yeah, just, yeah, amazing guy. Yeah, phenomenal. And so um, if his episode airs before mine, then you guys already know how incredible he is. If it airs after mine, please don't compare the two um, because he's just absolutely incredible. And um, honestly, you know, I knew him before he was doing the online business stuff, wow. before he was um, really in the online business space. But, you know, he just, I was a full-time entrepreneur and he really just encouraged me, Michael, take the information that you learned while you were working in corporate America. Take the information you learned while you were in um, the investing world and like leverage that to teach and train people. You know, um, I, I like I said, I was 
just an entrepreneur that was just getting started out. I didn't have no money. You know, I was just trying to figure out a way to uh, hustle, you know, if you will. And, 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 you know, I thought to myself, man, if I could figure out a way to make money without having to like actively do things, that could be life-changing. Man, I remember with my first course, I sold it for $97. And I remember just sitting at a friend's couch one time and like I would start getting $97 hits. And I'm like, oh my Lord, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just like, wow. Like if I can make $97, then I can make $970. If I can make $970 and I can make $9,700, if I can make $9,700, I can make $97,000, right? And so mm. um, I think that the, the, the idea of scaling with systems and processes versus effort made the online course world really attractive to me. And then when you match that with the right customer who has money and need, then it's, it's a game changer. Yeah. One thing I loved about a, a few of our calls, you have like SOP on SOP. Yeah. You know me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you have, you, you have, you, you don't just talk about systems is a cool word to use, right? Mm-hmm. Like proven systems, but actually you actually do it. You have systems. And what, what about, what about, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that want to launch a course, but, but they, they want to scale but they lack the lack the systems that it takes to really scale, um, not only profitably but sustainable. You know, being sustainable, right? So, so what is it about systems that you think, uh, I guess, entrepreneurs are missing out on right now, or doing wrong when it comes to systems and scaling? Yeah, I think that entrepreneurs oftentimes when they're just getting started don't understand the order of operations as it relates to growing a business. So growing Mm. up, if you took a math class, you probably heard of like PEMDAS, right? To where it's like parentheses, uh, you start there, then with the exponent, and then with multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. Because otherwise, if you start off with addition or subtraction, then it threw off the entire calculation of an equation. Like you have to do things sequentially in order. And so as it Mm. relates to business, there are the seven fundamentals of business. The last three, I believe, are a little bit more nuanced to where they don't have to be in sequential order. But the first three to four kind of aren't, you know? Like, so the first fundamental of business is attention. Attention is getting the eyeballs of a lot of people at one time or over time so that that way people have an idea of what your product or service even is. Call it brand awareness, you know, whatever. But like attention is I can't just get in front of 10 people. I have to get in front of 10,000 people. I have to get in front of 10 million people. Once you have attention down, then there's attraction. All of those people are not going to be attracted to your message. All of those people aren't going to be attracted to your brand and who you are. And so you don't know if people are attracted if they're not there. And so that's why attention has to come before attraction. But then with attraction comes messaging. It comes, you know, offer. It comes like I am the solution to this problem. Then there is acquisition. Acquisition is the process of someone taking 
the messaging that you've given them and deciding I am going to give you money in exchange for you to solve my problem. And so there within all that, if you want to get super nerdy, there's cost of acquisition and things like that. So after acquisition, we have attention, attraction, acquisition. Next, there's fulfillment. Basically, are you giving your customer what they were promised in exchange for the money that they gave you? Okay. And so those are the four things. The next three are um, feedback, getting feedback from your customer to see how well you did what you promised you were going to do. Retention, keeping them longer as a customer. And ascension, having them pay more. Both of those ways are ways that you can increase the lifetime value of a customer uh, by either, you know, cross-selling, upselling, downselling, or just retaining them longer at the same price point. You do them both and it creates a multiplicative effect, but they don't necessarily have to happen in sequence like the first four. Here's what I find to be the problem. Most times people, when they're getting started in entrepreneurship, they're going out of the order of operations. What does that mean? They're thinking, how do I make sure I have something that I can fulfill at scale when it's just like, bro, you haven't even like handled the attraction part yet. You haven't even handled the attention part yet. Nobody knows who you are. You're saying, hey, this didn't work for me. I sent 50 emails this week. And it's just like, no, buddy, you need to send 50 emails before lunchtime every day for six months, you know, like, Mm. and so they are trying to figure out, man, I want to do this, but I don't know how to scale, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, you're not going to scale zero. (laughs) So the big thing here is like you have to do the things in order to help Mm. scale your business. And that's the the challenge that many people have is that the product of fulfillment, they feel like they're the world's best kept secret. And it's just like, okay, that's awesome. You and many others. But what's really going to separate you and get you the income that you're looking to make is how can I get in front of as many people as possible? And um, that starts with the first, you know, two fundamentals of the business. What would you say the difference, MJ's, is between attention and attraction? So um, attention, you ever see those people who stand on the street corner and they're spending a sign for like Cricket or Boost Mobile or whatever, and they're like, free cell phone inside. And, you know, while they're on that corner, they may have a thousand cars past them. That is attention versus somebody seeing that message of a free phone and saying, you know, my phone has been tripping lately, and then going into the store. That's attraction. But even Mm -hmm. if they go into the store, they still may not buy the phone. If they do buy the phone, that's acquisition. And so, like, attention is just mass appeal. Attraction is messaging to get people to say, hmm, I'll check, take a look and see. And then attraction is, this is what I want, and I'll exchange you money from it for it. That's, that's so good. And then fulfillment, this phone's got to work. It's got to do what, what you promised exactly. um, that it's going to do. And then those are the first four. What were the last three? It was feedback. Yep. Feedback, retention, ascension. So feedback is 
man, I had a really good experience buying this phone and this phone is working perfectly. And so now I'm on this Boost Mobile, T-Mobile, whatever plan. Retention is I've been a a T-Mobile customer for 12 years versus three months. Because if you have a customer for 12 years, you're going to make more on them than you do uh, in three months. And then Ascension is now I don't just have a cell phone plan. Now I have an internet plan. Now I have, you know, I bought some AirPods, you know, as well. You know, I'm financing a a, a watch, an Apple watch or whatever. And so like um, Ascension is people spending more money with you. Retention is retaining them longer. But that only comes from positive feedback due to mm. acu- uh, adequately fulfilled promises. Does that make sense? No, it makes, makes a lot of sense. And out of these seven, you're, you're, you're brilliant. And people that are listening, they, they understand. Like this guy, when he started talking about the math stuff, like, yeah, this guy's brilliant. What of the, <laughs> which one of these seven do you enjoy spending time on? And, and is that the most important one, you think? Or are they all equally as important? Like, where do you find yourself excited most about in these seven? I would say what excites me the most about the seven would probably be the attraction. The attraction. Okay. So why? the reason why attraction is so exciting to me is because... If you can figure out, I would say attention and attraction. Gosh, it's hard to pick just one, but I'll tell you kind of where my mind is. So whenever I started um, running my like cold email outreach campaigns for my financial literacy business, what I found was, wow, I could not spend money on Facebook ads. You and I were talking even before the podcast and how I took a social media sabbatical for like a year. I don't have to post on social media. I don't have to keep up with an algorithm. I don't have to be pointing at words, dancing to music. Like I don't have to be on LinkedIn. I could literally be off the grid in a way as it relates to the typical way people try to generate leads for their business. And if I just run a systematic I send 200 emails a day and make, you know, 200 cold calls a day. Then now, whenever I'm booking appointments from that, which would be attraction, right, is booking the appointment. It's like, wow, I am creating the opportunities out of thin air. Like I'm creating opportunities out of like nothing. And therefore, like the return on investment for that time becomes exponential, right? So I think that... Um, at the end of the day, like, I, I do just find selling people uh, whenever they need whatever I, I, I'm, buying, uh, I'm selling. You know, I do just find um, do great actually fulfilling and getting great feedback. But I think that, you know, the attention and the attraction pieces are what are the most difficult to master. But when you master those, then it makes everything else as long as you fulfill people on their promises, like it makes everything else better. And then what's really awesome is that it becomes a cyclical machine because mm. guess what? Whenever you work really hard for attention and attraction, you're working really, really hard to generate these leads and then you fulfill appropriately. Then what happens is not only do you get the benefits of retention for those clients, but then those clients and their feedback become your attraction messaging so good so therefore now these clients are telling their friends and their colleagues about you they're referring people to you to where now that most difficult part of business is being taken care of for you by clients who have paid you 
And so now it becomes free marketing, right? Like nobody, the reality is that they could shut all of their advertising down today and Chick-fil-A would still make boatloads of money because it's yep. God's chicken and everybody loves it, right? So the big idea here is like the, the various fundamentals of business will feed into other areas that will create uh, multiplicative growth for you. And that, that, that is a machine. I mean, most people, they talk about systems, they, but they, they don't have, they don't have any predictable way. So th- this is, this is exhaustive. You've been doing this for a long time. It, it, it takes probably quite a bit for folks that are like, Hey, I, I just, I got a Google sheet, Google doc, like where would I, where would I start to track to, a tr- uh, um, this stuff, not a track, but track, all of this work that I'm doing, the feedback, the, the tra- like where, what would you recommend for them? Yes, for sure. It depends on which stage of the business that they're in and which fundamental of the business that they're focusing on. But I can just give you a high level overview. Like if someone's like, okay. man, I just want to get better at attention. Like I don't have, you know, attention locked in. And I know that I need that before attraction and acquisition and fulfillment. Then mm. there are seven ways I believe to generate attention. There is a uh, cold, you know, outbound, which is cold emails, cold calls, you know, uh, sliding into people's DMs. That's one way to generate attention. There is paid traffic, Facebook ads, Google ads. There are internal referrals, right? Uh, from the clients. That's what we talked about earlier. There are joint ventures and strategic partners. Basically finding people who are serving the same clientele that you're serving, but in a different way. So, for example, you'll find that, like, back in the day, they, um, I don't even know if they still have it, but, like, Taco Bell and Doritos, like, had a partnership for, like, Doritos Locos Tacos. And it's like, okay, Doritos and Taco Bell, they're probably serving the same type of client, but they are serving them in different way. Like... Uh, Doritos doesn't have ground beef and Taco Bell's didn't Bell didn't have like seasoned tortilla shells. And so like now we're going to create a way to where I do this, you do that, but we're serving the same group of people, strategic partners, right? Then there are affiliates, right? To where you're incentivizing people to, you know, connect with you so that that way, you know, if they slide you a referral, then they get compensated for it. Right. Um, and so basically, you know, there are are, are many ways to go about all of those things. I would choose one and get good at one of those things for attention. Uh, if you have a lot of money, then I would do paid ads. If you are kind of low on cash, then I would do outbound cold email, cold call, because those systems are less costly than paid ads but they just scale slower. You're going to be looking at maybe like a 90-day turnaround on something like that versus a paid ad, which can get you conversions within a few days, depending on how much you're spending. And so there's that. If it's attraction that you have a problem with, then it's understanding like messaging and like the, I would say like seven factors of an irresistible offer. And we don't have to get so deep into it, you know, but, you know, risk reversal, guarantees, you know, like certain things that go into an irresistible offer that would make someone really interested in it. Um, Acquisition is just sales. Uh, That comes down to like conviction, competency, knowledge about the product. Um, 
feedback, fulfillment is doing what you promise. Feedback is you can use a Google form to say like, mm. hey, um, how would you rate what you're doing on the, uh, um, you know, on a scale from one, what, what I gave you on a scale from one to 10? If it wasn't a 10, what would have made it a 10? Um, you can also do that for testimonials, right? And say, hey, what stopped you from doing this yourself? Um, what, where were you before? Where were you after? And if there was somebody who was considering me for this service, and they were on the fence, what would you tell them? Those four questions in and of itself could build out a testimonial. And so what I would do to any person is understanding the seven fundamentals of business and then the sub points of each fundamental will help you find where am I stuck? And then when Mm. you find where you're stuck and then you hone in on a subcategory of a fundamental, then once that gets fixed adequately you move on to the next fundamental and as you move through the fundamentals your income growth goes up and you know your business gets better bro like i just was i felt like man um mj's this is like chat this is better than chat gpt this is better than <laughs> gpt4 like it's just so so good like and it's like they got these sevens of business and, and then oh that's seven oh we got seven and i'm like man this is just insane value for the folks that are that are watching you know we have folks that are maybe just starting out and then folks that like they have an offer but they haven't figured out the attraction they don't have the traffic or vice versa you have some people that have an audience maybe they've got 10 20 000 people and um you know maybe they're not getting brand deals they're like I want to create a product. I want to create a course, mm-hmm. um, but I just don't know, or I've created a course and it's just not selling like I thought it would. And they yes. haven't created what we call an offer, irresistible offer, no brainer offer, Godfather offer, whatever you want to sure. call it. You actually helped me early on um, really understand the value equation. And um, the way that you articulated was, was has been a game changer for what we do. Um, when you look at offers, what are the things that you're looking for to make this like this is this is an offer that's going to convert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there are like six elements of an irresistible offer. OK, so I, I, obviously, like uh, my engineering background, just the way that I think is very analytical. So I'm like, how can I create frameworks around things so that I don't get stuck? Right. Because at the end of the day, um, if I'm whether or whether. I am not willing to do the work. That's up to me. But I at least want to know what work needs to be done so that that way I know, like, how to get unstuck if I find myself to be there. If someone says, hey, you know, I have this offer or service that I, that is not selling, I'm thinking to myself, okay, which one of these elements, if not more, are missing? First, language of the offer, right? Basically, you need to use your customer's own language to express their pain points and the challenges that they're facing. What's so interesting is, have you ever like seen an advertisement, bro, to where you read some copy on a page or something and you thought to yourself, holy smokes, like were they just in this conversation I was having with a homie yesterday? I was just talking about this. I was just feeling this. I was just thinking this. One of the reasons why paid ads and Facebook ads are so effective and Amazon ads is because they are taking what you are already thinking and saying, and then they're saying, we have a solution. And so when you do that, people trust themselves. Therefore, when they trust, when they hear someone else talking in their language, they inherently trust that person as well. And so if 
I am speaking to you the same way you are speaking to you and you are speaking to yourself in a way that you trust. And now you're going to inherently trust me. But what happens is people put copy on a page and they think, oh, people, this sounds beautiful and fancy, but it's like not really the way that their customers are speaking or talking to themselves. And therefore, it doesn't make the offer as appealing. So that's the first thing, language. Second thing, illustrating features versus benefits, right? So um, a feature is what it is. Um, a benefit is how it's going to help them. The way I like to say it is a feature is the what, the benefit is the so what, right? So instead of, hey, you know, um, I'm just thinking about, um, I'm just thinking about, like, uh, like, one of the things I think about is like a, like a dog commercial, like a dog food commercial, right? It's just like, hey, we use uh, omega-3s and blah, 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 blah in this dog food. That's a what. But what's the so what? The so what is that that way your dog uh, can live a long and healthy life and you have your furry friend for years to come. That way your dog's uh, lifespan increases by, you know, 40 percent. That way, your dog, when they get to their elderly years, still um, has a vibrant coat and they can still see. Right. Like it's not just like a what. Like many people times people are like, oh, my product has this is this is this is this. And it's just like, okay, great. But what's the point? Why is that even important to your end user? And so oftentimes people will list features, but they'll forget the benefits. And so you need to tie your benefits to the features. Third thing, social proof, right? Like um, many times people will come to me and they're like, Michael, how do I do what you do? And the first thing I often tell people is do it for 10 people for free and get them amazing results because you need the conviction that what you're doing actually works. And whenever they have testimonials on your page and someone goes into your page on your landing page and they're able to see 10 different people who had an amazing result with you, then it starts selling itself. You know, like I think about even Jamal, he has like uh, the one university and uh, he does like a pray for your future spouse challenge. And I remember when he started that challenge um, to where people, you know, preparing for marriage, blah, 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 blah. Now, every time he does this challenge, people under their own volition, they're like, hey, guys, just want to let you know in the Facebook group with 200 something thousand people in it. Like, I got married. Like, I did this. I did that. I'm like, bro, do you wow. even need to advertise anymore? Probably not, you know, because you have so much social proof that now people feel there's a high likelihood that whenever I pay this person the money, they're going to give me what I prom- uh, what was promised, right? If you want to make it even more irresistible, you can make it, a, uh, you add risk removal. That's the, the, the next element, right? So we talked about social proof. We talked about features versus benefits. We talked about language. Is this too much, bro? Because I, I, can, I can go no, higher level. No, this is... I, I, I'm, I'm, this is a, a masterclass on, um, on business, not just, just scaling a business, um, an offer. This is like a masterclass and I don't want it to end. I was literally thinking like, I, I gotta do this again soon because this is a straight clinic. Keep going, bro. <laughs> okay. Um, and so anyway, that those are the, the elements we've already mentioned, but then there are more next one risk reversal, right? So someone sees this social proof, they're talking in their language, they're understanding the features versus benefits. Now you add in risk removal. Hey, you'll get this result in 30 days or your money back. 
if you're really confident in your offer, this result in 30 days or double your money back. If you're really confident in your offer, uh, this result, you know, in 60 days or we'll work with you for free until you do. Basically, you're removing 14-day free trial. Like, you're removing all risk, you know? Like, if you if you hate it, just send me an email with the subject line, my dog ate my homework, and I'll give you your money back, right? No questions asked, right? Like, you just figure out ways to just create a risk removal for someone to say, oh, well, at least if it doesn't work, I'm not out of any money, right? I'm not, yeah, so boom, risk re- removal, right? Uh, uh, five, overcoming objections. So even as you're speaking in their language, you may say things like, now you may have worked with a coach before. You may have done this before. You know, you're probably thinking, oh, I, do I have the time for this? Do I have this? Do I have that? Boom, if you overcome all of those objections with your messaging, then now the person's saying, oh, well, I have these concerns, but now my concerns have been allayed, right? Um, and then um, the next elements of that are like bonuses. Uh, like, hey, if you uh, get this by my book, then you get my course, you get my master, you get my coaching, you get this, blah, 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 blah. You add bonuses to this offer. You add urgency to your offer, which is time-based. Um, mm. It's, hey, um, you, know, I only, you know, this is only good for the next 72 hours, you know, Memorial Day, weekend flash sale, whatever. Urgency is time-based. Uh, but even within urgency, there is uh, seller-based time urgency and user-based time urgency, mm. right? Uh, seller-based time urgency is kind of what I just mentioned to you. To where it's just like, oh, you know, I am imposing urgency on you, uh, which is easier, uh, but less effective than user-based time urgency, which is how much longer are you going to deal with not being the way you want to be? How much longer are you going to be, you know, struggling with this or that, you know, to where now it's the user is imposing a a time-based deadline on themselves which is stronger mm. marketing. It requires higher level messaging and copy, right. but like it, it creates, you know, um, the, the result that you want and they become a stickier client. So higher lifetime value, you know, as you retain them. And then there is scarcity, which is not time-based, but it is quantity-based. I have 20 of yeah. these left. I have 25 of these left. Only five left to go, you know, sold out, you know? So like what I have found after all of that, is um, if someone's like, man, Michael, my offer isn't selling for some reason, I'm like, hmm, are you implementing all seven elements of an irresistible offer? Because if your offer is not irresistible, if it's just like a nice to have versus a I must have this, then Mm. now um, you open yourself up to be commoditized versus desired so that's how i would look and evaluate an offer yeah this is just a like i said a master class i feel like i have to send you like a 997 (laughs) you know i'm like i'm like where's sign me up for this bro like what's next like um and 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 but but i think it's fascinating just to comment on that like you know um one of the best ways to teach um, is, is to have some, people are just looking for a plan or a framework. So notice how there's like literally a step-by-step plan. Like I am confident now that if I, I work with MJ, like I know there's a step-by-step, so many people's messaging. It's like, it, it's all over the place. This is specific. It's inside of a framework it, it, to take it a step further. You name this framework or plan. And, and this is just, this is just powerful, um, 
this is powerful stuff here. You're a weapon. And I'm, I'm just thinking like, what, what's MJ's gaps? Like you sound so locked in. There's a hunger and desire for what you do, obviously to be as good at what you do. It's not that's that some of it's God given, but some of it's like, I, I want to do that thing where I wasn't given. I want to give it to my kids, but, but where, where, where are your gaps, bro? Like what's an area where you go, man? Like I really need God in this area. Yeah. Uh, you mean like in business, just, personally, just in life? I, I just think, I, I think I would say personally where, you know, you know, obviously the personal seeps in to the business and we all have, we all have gaps. I, I've learned where, where, where do you, where do you struggle most in, in your life? And what, what has been a struggle that God has come in that you have to rely on God with everything for? I feel like there, God wants to take my business to a certain level and that I am relationships away from that versus mm. strategy away from that. And oftentimes the way that People learn about you is through things like social media, but that's not something that I do a lot. Like I'm not posting every day or things like that. And so I think that for me, I, I wonder to myself, like, man, how can I get access into certain rooms or to be around certain people or to even be privy to certain events or to like meet people who are doing kind of what I'm doing? Like I don't necessarily have someone who has gone before me that's like, hey, Michael, here is my framework for growing your total addressable market, you know, in the financial literacy space or in whatever space. Here's how you do this. Here's the strategy that I did. Here's this, here's that. Like, I don't necessarily have that. Like, I'm kind of figuring it all out myself. And I mean, obviously I do business coaching and I serve as chief marketing officer for people at a fractional level, you know, depending on what they need. But it's like, I just... I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I, what I do, like, from a fulfillment side, for my, like, financial literacy business or whatever, is it's so good. And I know how to reach a lot of people at scale, but mm. my total addressable market, like, who I'm really called to reach, like, I don't know if I've tapped that out. You know, I don't know if, like, how to you know, appropriately transition into like new industries. Um, I, I just, I think it really comes down to like mentorship, bro. Like I'm a mentor mm. to many, but I am not mm. a mentee to many, you know? And I think that that is mm. oftentimes the curse of those who are gifted in certain areas, right? And yeah. so um, that's what I would say. And do you think about that often? Or are you just, are you the type that like, I think about it just brush over, does that, does that ever get you in a spot where you're like, man, like I, I just, I don't know where I'm going, you know, God, where, where do you at? What's next? Like, like, how does that play out in your, your life? My honest thoughts around that are like, when I've had success with mentorship, many times God brought it and he'll mm. bring it in due time. And if it's not here today, mm. then there's a reason. Um, it's something that I desire, something that I want. It's just, will, will it, will it, will it happen? You know, like how will it happen? Where do I need to be? Who do I need to connect with? How can I add value to someone's life? You know, as well. So, um, I think that I'm a big giver. That's good. And so, uh, and I'm not only am I a big giver, but I also oftentimes hesitant on taking because I don't want people to see me as a taker. Um, and so um, I'm naturally a giver, but I will often over index on giving and less on asking. Um, and sometimes I feel like it holds me back. So um, mm. I don't know exactly what the solution is to that. I didn't really even truly realize that that was 
a problem until, you know, you and I are talking right now and I'm thinking to myself <laughs> like, damn, you know what I mean? Like, that's not good. Um, but, you know, I wanted to give you an honest answer. I think that I could have given you something cookie cutter, but I wanted to give you something that, you know, it's kind of like raw, you know, fresh off the press. 100%. And when we, when we do 2.0, interview two, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that and, and see how, you know, you're leaning into God um, for that one. Is is there a is there a time in over the last few years? Because when we first met, you were doing a couple things. You had this you had this you know financial literacy program, and then you were doing some marketing, and then you, you had done some some just a few different things over the last few years. Can can you do you, can you talk about a time where maybe God you you really needed God to kind of help you give you an answer, which sometimes I feel like he never does. And he just kind of wants you to do your, you know, but like where God stepped in and played a significant role in helping you overcome something um, in, in the business or even mm. in your personal life, bro. I'm trying to think if there's, I mean, gosh, there's been so many things. Um, I mean, I'll tell you this, like, geez, bro, like three months ago, it was so tough. Like, uh, business was slow because of the seasonality of business. Here's what happens. When you start a business, you don't even know, like, is my business running slow because I don't know what I'm doing or is it just a slow season, right? Like, at the end of the day, ha- Halloween costumes, sales for that, like, really pick up in September, right? You know, very few people are buying Halloween costumes, you know, in April, you know, as we're recording this. Uh, and and that's not that. And if you are a rookie entrepreneur, then you would think to yourself, oh man, like it's April. I'm not selling any Halloween costumes. I don't know entrepreneurship. I'm failing at business. And it's just like, no, mm. like it's, it's the season of business. Like it's, mm. it, it's, it's the, it's not the time. Pineapples don't grow in the winter, you know, and mm. you can't go against mother nature from a, you know, plant-based standpoint or from like the nature of business and what you're offering to people like you can't really go against that you just have to ride that and in the times that are high and that are great then you have to in those moments um be very wise as you steward your funds right so Mm -hmm. like even as it relates to now like i think i have what maybe like six different business bank accounts, like to where it's just like, I have this for operating expenses, this for profit, this for this, this for this, this for this, this is how I handle my personal expenses, right? To where it's just like, okay, uh, I kind of got caught by surprise last year um, because, you know, I'm still, you know, fairly new in the industry that I'm working in, but I won't be caught by surprise this year, right? So um, many times <laughs> it's the, the, the tough moments mm-hmm. that teach you things that you wouldn't learn otherwise. And um, it's through those moments that you learn how to just be wiser. And so I would say mm. that, like, God teaching me about business seasonality and so, um, to to not quit your Halloween costume business in April, but, like, wait. And then if you get to October and you're not selling Halloween costumes, then that is a indication of the health of the plant that is supposed to be producing fruit um Mm. that's the indication because you're like oh no now we're in season and it's slow that's an indication that something needs to be fixed but before then it's like okay well you know i may be getting a lot of attention for people but my attractive messaging is not Mm. attractive in this season at this time yeah it's really really good 
um, you, you said you had amazing parents, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, you want to give your kids that financial wealth build all that, that maybe you didn't, didn't get, and you're building that. And not only are you building it for yourself, but you're helping so many, uh, so many other, other people as well. And, and, and young people in high school and colleges, which is incredible. What are you most proud of when it comes to what MJ has built? I am most proud of the revenue we've been able to generate. Um, mm. Not that I'm a multi-cajillionaire, but like there are times where I will make more in a month than I used to make in a year at a full-time job. Mm. And why that is important is because as my revenue has grown, my faith has grown as well. I was just talking to a buddy about this. I was like, Mm. man, I was working Mm. at Bank of America. I was making like 48 grand as like a retail banker, 60 grand a year with bonuses. And it's like, huh? Like, I remember when I first got into full-time entrepreneurship, I was like, man, if I could just make five grand a month, if I could just make (laughs) 60 grand a year, like, and live the same lifestyle I live now, but working for myself, oh my gosh, you can't tell me anything, right? And then I remember um, when we hit six figures and I was telling man, I was like, oh my gosh, babe, like, I I don't think that, I I don't even know people in my family who made $100,000 a year. And now we're doing it full time as entrepreneurs. I think, you know, that year, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't our first year of business. Maybe our second, it was like 120 or something. And I remember asking her at the end of that year, I was like, Bay, do you ever think, do you ever think that God would allow for us to make $180,000 a year as entrepreneurs? Do you ever think that he would allow us to make $15,000 a month? Mm. She was like, Bay. I feel like if we just keep doing what God's told us to, telling us to do, like, I feel like he can do even more. I was like, babe, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And now it's just like, um, I don't know, if I make $15,000 in a month, I'm like, what do we need to fix? You know? <laughs> and so um, it's like, so it's, it's less about the number and more about now I'm, 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 not, I'm not, I don't have to believe God for, for $15,000 a month months anymore when if you were to go back in time five years ago to where i was just getting started in entrepreneurship that michael that michael couldn't believe god for for anything close to that right you know so it's just like it's not it's less about the revenue and the numbers and more about just realizing i'm living in an answered prayer every day and that um man if God could do what he's done up until this point, I feel like I've hit, I've kind of overcome certain mental barriers to where now it's just like, mm. it's, it's, it's so much easier for me to trust God. It is easier for me to trust God for multiple seven figures than it is for me, than it was for me to trust him for six in the beginning. Holy cow. And so that's a, um, that's a massive shift. It, it is. It is. Because what people don't realize is that making your first $100,000 is way harder than making your first million. Way harder. Mm. Like, the first $100,000 is just, it's a bugger because you don't have the money to, like, pay a staff or a team of people to help you. And so everything that you're doing is 
on you and yourself and you're trying to find product market fit and you're trying to mm. do this and you're trying to do that. And it's just like, it all depends on you and you're looking for a hundred thousand dollar opportunities. You know, if someone was like, like if, if someone were to ask me, um, when I first started my entrepreneurship journey, Hey, Michael, uh, how do you want to make a hundred thousand dollars this year? I'm like, okay, well I have a $500 product, $500, I think times 2000 people, equal oh sorry uh, times 200 people is a hundred thousand dollars and so if i can sell 200 people a 500 dollar product and then i um you know divide that 200 by 12 months in a year then i think that comes out to like uh like 18 people uh, uh, uh or whatever you know a, a year or whatever a, a month or something like that so i need to sell 18 people a month 500 dollar product you know what i mean like that's how i would have thought getting started yeah now i think to myself if someone's like hey michael how would you make a hundred thousand dollars this year i'd be like i'd sell one person a eight thousand dollar a month package and like yeah. Ta-da. <laughs> you know, so uh, it's like, so, I mean, it, it's just a very, very different way to, to think. Um, mm. And um, I think that that's, I think who I've become, even beyond the revenue, now that I think about it, is probably who I'm most proud of. All right, NJ, uh, before I ask these last couple questions, want to um, give you an opportunity to let folks know what you're working on. You got some cool stuff. There's ebbs and flows in seasonality for your business, and so you do different things. One of the things we talked about before this, I don't know if it's okay to share this, but um, the LinkedIn stuff you're doing is insane. Yeah. I've got a lot of friends that I know that need to be doing LinkedIn more. Um, but but how can people connect with you, follow what you're working on, and and and, and maybe when season, you know, for the literacy stuff's down, maybe hire you to do some consulting yeah for sure um so linkedin is it's kind of like it's interesting because it's not posting on linkedin or it's really just extracting leads from linkedin for yeah. a business and so i could extract it from linkedin i could extract it from a facebook group like it's more so um just using like those resources to create like outbound email campaigns for people who are typically mm. service providers have a product that they're selling for at least $5,000. Uh, and they're probably making a quarter of a million dollars a year. I think that for those individuals, you know, it's typically a slam dunk solution for them um, that I offer to where basically they're um, outbound email campaigns. I'm not talking about like email newsletters. I'm not talking about like nurturing the list. I'm talking about at scale, reaching out to 200 people a day who are in your target market that would be interested in buying your service like booking appointments for it, for you without having to use Facebook ads. You don't need virtual assistants. You don't need to have a social media. You don't even really need a sales funnel. Um, as long as you have um, an offer and like a Calendly page, then, you know, we could make some magic happen. And so um, that's, that's something that I work on. And then there are times where people are just like, man, I just need like a chief marketing officer for like three months that can really just help me, you know, just grow and scale mm. my business, advise me or whatever. I do that as well. So I do all those, you know, all year long. But um, yeah, especially in the winter, late fall, early winter, uh, late winter months, like it's a great way for me to help people when I have a little bit more time on my hands. Absolutely. And and, and as you can see, you put on a clinic when it comes to uh, business. And so if you want to take your business to the next level, I, I like, um, highly recommend checking out the show notes where you can link up uh, with him. Also throw his Instagram on there. Um, <laughs> hey bro, what, what is your, what is your definition of holy hustle? 
my definition of holy hustle is um, putting in the work that you can while trusting God to believe, uh, while trusting God to do what only he can, right? So, so I'll say it again. Putting in the work you can while trusting God to do what only he can. And the reason why that's important is because many times people try to do all the work themselves and they don't rely on God at all. And then on the other side, there are some people who are literally lazy because they're just waiting on God to Mm. do something and neither are healthy, right? Uh, It reminds me of like the uh, Thessalonians, right? The church of Thessalonica to where the believers found out that Jesus was going to be coming back. And so they just stayed in their houses all day and just prayed and waited. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's, it's good to, to pray, but you actually have to work, you know? Um, so I think that doing what you can while trusting God with what only he can do, it's a definition of holy hustle. Fire, man. That is, that is amazing. If you had the opportunity to time travel um, to hang out with young MJ um, when he's starting his business, wants to become an entrepreneur, um, what advice are you telling him and encouraging him with? I am telling him that the only thing separating him from the income that he desires to make is marketing and to shift from B to C to B to B. Shift from selling to consumers to selling to, you know, higher level institutions and organizations. Um, the reason why you don't believe you can do that now is because of the marketing <laughs> that you don't know. Um, and so focus all of your efforts on generating phenomenal results from people at the B2C level. Do that for about three months. Do it for free if you have to, but just get a bunch of testimonials that you can leverage uh, in the higher spaces because when you do that, you'll be able to charge 10 times the money for the same exact thing. MJ Pittman, this has been a masterclass on deep business strategy. Um, super grateful for you, Thank your you. friendship, and uh, and all you do for the kingdom, man. We love you, brother. Well, dude, I appreciate you, Alejandro. I think what you're doing for the kingdom is phenomenal. I've seen some of the work that you're doing with like pastors and Facebook groups and just creating um, digital disciple makers, if you will. Mm-hmm. And man, I'm just so in your corner. I'm so proud of you, man. Love you dearly. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. Hopefully it helps some people and uh, maybe we get a chance to do a part two sometime if I get invited back. Bro, I, I, I we're, yeah, we're going to schedule the next three very soon. <laughs> Love you, bro. And thank you. Thank you all for, uh, for listening in. <laughs>